take you to Mark 16, and I'm going to read a couple of verses there from the New King James Version. Um, and I pray that we will hear his voice today, that, that God will speak to our hearts and that we will know in this moment that it is him reaching to us in our time um, of need. So in Mark 16, we're being given Mark's account of the resurrection of Jesus. And um, the women are on the way after Jesus has been buried. He was buried on Friday, Friday evening. And they are on their way on Sunday morning, which is the day after the Sabbath for the Jewish nation. So they had to wait until after Sabbath before they could go and accomplish the tasks that were to be accomplished. And they're going to further prepare, really give final preparation to the body of Jesus. They had their customs, uh, they had their methods, and the women were going to take care of the body. Now one of the things that happened because of all the controversy 
that was associated with who Jesus was and the things that he had done, it had been ordered that his grave would be, the tomb would be sealed and be put under guard so that the disciples would not have an opportunity to perhaps go and steal his body away. Because you see, the, it had circulated that Jesus had promised that on the third day he would come out of the grave. And so they wanted to make sure that the disciples did not have an opportunity to go and take his body away and then manufacture a tale that Jesus had resurrected. They didn't believe he was going to resurrect, uh, but they wanted to make sure that nobody, nobody had the opportunity to give life to such a myth. And so the stone is there, and the women know that the stone is there and that it's under guard. And so as they're on the way, they're talking among themselves. It's very early in the morning. It's still dark. Um, and they're going to be there at first light to go in and take care. And they're wondering, who are we going to get to roll the stone away? How in the world are we going to get into the tomb? Uh, because even if the guards have moved on, there's no way that we have the physical strength or ability to move that stone out of the way. Customarily, there would be a stone, a big round stone, that would be rolled over the entrance of a, of a tomb to make sure that grave robbers could not gain access and take advantage of, of the dead. And so um, they knew that that stone would be beyond what they would be able to move out of the way. So here, here it is, Mark 16, verses 3 and 4. Listen, listen intently to what's being said here. And they said among themselves, who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, for it was very large. So how many times have you and I worried about something that we didn't need to worry about? How many times have we stayed away from, from something or from someone because we were sure that it was beyond us and that it would be the worst of situations, so the best thing we could do is just back away. They, they could have decided there's no use in us going to the garden tomb because we're not going to be able to get in. Nobody's going to move the stone for us because they've had it under guard. And even if, if the guards would allow it, they're not going to move it for us. Who are we going to get to move the stone? And... It didn't even need to be a concern for them. Because God had already taken care of it before they got there. Now, remember this. The stone was not moved um, for Jesus to get out. <laughs> Post-resurrection, Jesus could walk through walls. Now, he was, he was not a ghost. He was material in substance. He was resurrected bodily, the scripture says. So this is not just a spirit. This is a living being who has been brought back from death. Some say, oh, he just passed out and then came to. No, he was dead. You remember the one of the guards took a spear and thrust it through his side. And the reason he did that was to make sure that he had expired. Because whenever someone would die on a cross, they didn't die from the nails that pierced their hands or their feet. They died from asphyxiation. They would, they would sag from the sheer exhaustion of hanging there on that cross and the diaphragm would push up against the lungs and they would asphyxiate. 
And when asphyxiation takes place, water mixes with blood in the lungs. And so when the guard put the spear through his side, remember what it says? And the water and the blood came flowing out. It was a sure sign that Jesus had died on the cross that Friday afternoon. And so a dead Jesus was placed in a borrowed tomb on Friday evening. On Sunday morning, the third day, not 72 hours later, but on the third day, on the third day he got up out of the grave and he, he didn't need the stone taken out of the way for him to be able to exit that tomb. He needed the stone moved out of the way so they could get in and see that he really was resurrected. And so God moved the stone for those women that when they approached, and then later for John and Peter, so that when they approached the tomb, they would be able to get in and see that Jesus is not there. Moreover, when, when John and, and Peter went running into the grave, they found that the headdress that had been on Jesus was folded like a napkin and laid there where Jesus had laid. That was a testimony to the fact, guys, nobody took me, I got up. And I folded up my grave clothes so you could know that I have kept my promise that I have been resurrected. Now, for them, they are the first to experience the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so I can understand them being worried, how are we going to get in? How are we going to do this? But isn't it amazing what happens when we take our eyes off of the circumstances and we take our eyes off of the question marks and we look up they looked up and the stone was rolled away. And there's someone here today who needs to look up. You need to look beyond your circumstances. You need to look into the face of the Jesus who is resurrected and realize that there is nothing that is beyond his touch. There is no one who is beyond his power. Anything can happen if we will trust ourselves to Jesus. And it's not about, again, it's not about more knowledge about Jesus. Listen. Like John Maxwell said years ago, most of us as followers of Christ are educated way beyond our obedience. We know more than we're following. And so some of us today need to take what we already know and take that step toward Jesus that he might do in our lives what we would never be able to do for ourselves. Jesus is alive. If you believe that, say amen. He is alive. He is here in spiritual presence. He has promised wherever two or three of us are gathered in his name, which is to be gathered in the promise of who he is, that he is in our midst if we are gathered like that. And so the Lord is here in spiritual presence, and he knows all about us. Jesus knows everything that's going on in our lives. Listen, Jesus knows all about our past, not just our present. And the devil wants to keep us from the miracles that the Lord is wanting to do in our lives by saying to us, if people just knew what you've really been. Well, God knows it all. And he says that if we'll come to him, the old can become new. And so there should be nothing this morning that would keep us from coming into his presence and saying, Lord, you know it all anyway, and I want to give myself and everything about me to you that you might answer that trouble that is stirred up in my life. The women were on their way, and they were troubled about what they might find. They worried about what they didn't need to worry about. But thank God they looked up, and they saw that God had already been there, and that God had already answered what might have kept them from what they had planned to do. But what's, what's really awesome about this whole story is they didn't need those spices. 
They, they didn't need to prepare the body of Jesus. They needed just to prepare themselves to follow him in the new tomorrow that he was giving them. And first, Mary spoke to a gardener, and then she was face to face with Jesus. And she realized in a moment that everything had changed now, that all of her worries had evaporated in the very presence of the Almighty Christ. And that if he had gotten up out of the grave by the power, the resurrecting power of God, there was no limit to what might happen in her life as she followed the resurrected Savior. What a powerful song this morning. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in you and me. What is keeping us from being fully surrendered to him and his plan for our lives? Jesus came to them. He comes to us this morning. And he wants to take us to that future that he has destined for us. He's got things for us to do. He's got people for us to love. He's got tasks for us to undertake as we're on our way to glory. But listen, we need to get our eyes off of our circumstances and turn our eyes upon Jesus and understand that nothing is impossible with God. The things that, that we think there's no way that could ever happen, it could happen because of who Jesus is. As I look at this passage of Scripture, I'm, a, I'm reminded of several things. One, Ron, don't get ahead of yourself. Don't worry about what um, is beyond your control. Don't worry about what you think you'll never be able to change. Don't get ahead of yourself. Just day by day, step by step, follow where the Lord is leading you. Many people shrink back from what their opportunity may be because they are afraid they're not enough for what's before them. Um, welcome to the human race. All of us are faced with situations and realities that are beyond our control and beyond our ability to fix. Someone not too long ago said to me, man, I would hate to be in your shoes. Um, with all that's going on with people. And I said, well, the way I can, I can have peace with my calling is to understand that I am um, a messenger for, for Jesus. Um, I am given the task of reminding people to turn their eyes upon Jesus, to surrender their lives to Jesus, but God has never given me the responsibility to fix everybody. We are broken people. And there's no pastor in this world, however talented he or she may be, who can fix a broken life. The best we can do is help people into the presence of the one who can do the impossible. We're not called to fix people. We're called to love people in his name. And to do everything we can to bring people into the presence of the one who is able to make of our lives something beautiful. The best we can do is to remind each other that we need to wrap up everything about ourselves and lay that at his feet. In the quiet, do you hear him?
do you see what he's showing you? I don't know what he's showing you. But I don't have to. Because what I do know is he's showing me about me. He's speaking to me about me. Well, and I know that if he's speaking to me and if he's showing me the truth about where I am and where he would have me to be, then I am completely confident that he is connecting with you. And if he's not connecting with you in this moment, he's getting ready to connect with you somewhere along the way that you might understand that it's time to get your eyes off of that stone and to put your eyes on him and know that whatever needs to happen to get you from where you are to where he wants you to be, he has the power to make that all happen. He can put the right people in your life. He can put you in just exactly the right position that you might be able to open up your heart like you've never been able to open up your heart before. It's amazing what will happen if you will just begin to move in that direction that he is calling you to move. i got to tell you, we've walked the woods back here on a number of occasions. I told you the first time we walked, you had, to, you had to pull the briars off of you to get through there. And I thought, oh, wow. Lord, it might be time for me to retire and let some young guy come in here and wade these woods and to make their way through these briars. I mean, it just looked like, Frank, honestly, it, it looked like, oh, wow, it's going, to, it's going to take a long time to get this done. So then Eric comes in with this machine that I've never seen before. And after a couple of days, I'm like, oh, wow. I didn't know there was such a machine. And it started opening up. And then walked out there, and y'all, you know, the machine will chew stuff up, but it runs on diesel fuel, not on wood chips. So there's, there's pieces of wood and limbs and debris everywhere. And so we walk out again, and I'm thinking, oh, wow. It'll take forever to get this cleaned up. And y'all, my OCD wants it cleaned up. Can I get an amen from my OCD crowd? I mean, I, if we're going to do it, let's do it. I don't, you know, I don't want to be tripping over something when I'm walking that trail. Let's get it clean. And so um, we, we show up yesterday and we start the process, and I'm thinking... Thank you, Lord. This is a good crew. I think we're, I think we're going to get something done today. But I'm thinking we're going to get this little piece. We'll, we can get this little piece over here. And then Bill gets on that backhoe. And Braden gets on the, the other tractor with the bucket on it. And then we, they start coming. Bill's pulling vines out of trees that we couldn't pull out. And Braden, we're loading wood in, in that bucket, and they made a burn pile. Go out there and look today. Look at that, that big burn pile you see there did not exist when we showed up yesterday morning. And so I, some of y'all that stayed a little bit later, did you notice I, I disappeared? About, did, did you notice? About 3.30, where, where's Brother Ron? I, I had to go while I still could go. I... Whew. I went home. Beck had gone to see her mom. I got, I got me a shower. I got in my chair. And she said, she was on her way home. She said, what's the plan? I said, I, I just want to live. 
And, but anyway, um, she got home, and I, I wish I could tell you she decided she was going to cook supper, <laughs> and I wouldn't have to leave my chair. But no, I, I got up and got ready, and I said, we need to go to church. I got to push the button on the baptistry and get that water. And I, it was warm, wasn't it, Mark? Jackie Brown's here this morning. Jackie Brown had the, had the experience of being baptized on a January morning when I pushed the wrong button on the baptistry, and I had to refill it. We could fill it up. It filled up, it filled up in 20 minutes, but it, ta it takes about 10 hours to heat up. So I went to Jackie, and I said, hey, it's got water, but I ain't going to lie to you, it's cold. Let's do it. And we got in the baptistry, and I'm like... <laughs> So I came and pushed the button because I've learned I'm not getting in that thing again unless that water's heated up, you know. Um, so came and pushed the button, and I said, let's go look. And we went and looked, and it is amazing. It is amazing how much was done yesterday. And I'm, honestly, a couple, more, a couple more Saturdays like we had yesterday, and y'all, it'll be done, and there'll be a walking trail, and then we'll get the gazebo put up over on the pond, and it's going to be an amazing park area that God has provided for us. And, um, but again, you have to take your eyes off of how it is and how you think it's going to be and what you think it's going to take, and you just got to pick up the first stick and then pick up the next one. And then just keep doing it and then call others to come and, and be a part of, of, of that gang. And, and before you know it, it is amazing what takes place. And that, that's just a simple, a simple example of the glorious things that God will do in our lives if we will get up from where we are and go into His presence. Kudos to the women. They could have stayed home and said, no way we're going to be able to move that stone. So why in the world do we want to go there? They went anyway. And when they got there, and they looked up, in the midst of their wondering about what's next, God took care of the main obstacle to them being able to gain entrance. And then when they gained entrance, he was not there. And the angel said, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He's not here. He has risen. What do you need to lay in the Lord's hands today? Why would you leave here today and not lay your life before Him? Why would you keep going down the same dead end, worried about what's next? He has created you for such a time as this. He has created you to experience the glory of His presence and to live for that above all else. If all you're doing is living for that next something, that next material something, how pitiful is that when we have the glory to become the vessels of the living Christ? What's next for you? What do you need to lay before him this morning?
if you'll trust him, he has the power to give you something to shout about. But when they looked up, if you don't remember anything else from this message today, I want you to remember that phrase, but when they looked up, but when they looked up, Lord, help us to take our eyes off our circumstances and turn our eyes upon Jesus. We know theologically He's alive. We want to know it experientially. We want you to make your living presence known in our lives in such a way that we might know that you have everything we need. And you have the answer to what troubles us. Just as you came to those women that morning, you come to us today, standing right here in the middle of us. Help us, Lord, to let go of what we cannot change, that we might take hold of the hem of your garment and receive what you alone can bring to our experience. Some of us here today need healing in our bodies, in our minds. Some of us here today need deliverance from those things that continue to plague us and keep us from the fullness of life that you have for us. Some of us need to understand what is ours to be concerned about and what we need to walk away from. Just all kinds of layers of needs represented in our lives. But Lord, help us to know in this moment that whatever those things are, there is nothing beyond your reach, nothing beyond your touch, nothing beyond your healing, nothing beyond your redemption, nothing beyond your saving presence. Lord, help us today to look up. And to believe. And to move into your presence. Show us that there's more to you than we can possibly see this morning. And believing that, Let it produce the miracles that you're wanting to unleash in our experience. What do you need to look up from today? What has become such a discouragement for you? What's become such an impossibility for you? What do you need to look up from today? You can trust Jesus. He already knows all about it. You're not going to surprise him. He already knows. 
you're not going to chase him away because he loves you with an everlasting love. There is no darkness, there is no discouragement, there is no sin that can keep you from the glory of his touch. The only thing that will keep you from him is your own decision to walk away from him. Trust him. But when they looked up, trust him. 